Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Maybe they're recording there and this is good to go. Okay, cool. You are in a place to be. How's it going? I'm so good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Like you said, for Thursday, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I just got home from the gym and I thought I was going to be a little late, but I made it just in time. So yeah. we're good. Everything's Perfect good. timing. Yeah. So what little I know about you though, what is get the ball rolling here? Um you got you're in, you're big into finance, right? And you got yeah. your own little blueprint, and you're doing big things. I mean, what was the motivation? How did this happen? Let's start there, so at least our audience kind of knows what we're getting into here. Yeah, I feel like I got to go back a couple of decades to tell you the full story. It's perfectly fine. Um, you know, it really ended up just me making a, a lot of dumb mistakes um, that I think a lot of people can relate to. You know, I, I was in my early twenties and I decided, you know, I really want to buy a house. I had a boyfriend then and, uh, and the market was going up, up, up. People were saying kind of like right now, uh, you got to get in before you'll never be able to afford a home. And like, there's all this scarcity around it. So, you know, we looked for different places and we ended up buying this beautiful, you know, 1200 square foot A-frame cabin on the lake. It was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. And then fast forward a couple of years, the economy crashed, the housing market died. This is the crash of 2008, 2009. Um, and uh, the lake also died and so did my relationship. 
So I was in this position of, I don't want to be with this man anymore. And I, I remember saying it to my dad, you know, but I can't leave because I have this mortgage, our house, we paid $310,000. That's what we borrowed to buy this house. And, uh, when I had decided when I was making this decision, our house was worth one fifty. So I felt really stuck. Yeah, I felt super stuck with, you know, I can't leave because what am I going to do? And the bank doesn't really want to answer that question because I called them and asked, you know, hey, what happens if I stop paying my mortgage? What happens then? And they didn't really want to answer that question. You know, oh, we're, you're going to go through the foreclosure process. And I'm like, okay, and then what happens? Like, are you going to sue me? Like, am I going to go to jail? Like, I don't know. I'm in my early 20s. I have no idea. I, I literally at that point was so desperate. My dad and I banked at the same bank. And so I was like, hey, dad, can you book an appointment with the manager? So she, he did. And we walked in together or whatever. And he's like, oh, I just brought my daughter along. And as soon as she shut the door, he was like, and here's Jody. Uh, she had no idea. And then I, I, I pelted her with a bunch of questions like, are they going to put me in jail? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And she was very kind. And, you know, she told me a lot of things that she probably shouldn't have from a manager position at the bank. You know, don't leave your money in here. As soon as you default, you know, after a certain amount of time, they're going to freeze all of your accounts. So any money you have saved, they're going to take from you and try and recover the payments. And she kind of explained sure. the process to me. So I, I, my dad had in those moments, cause I was so scared, you know, what do I do? Like torch my whole life financially and start over again, moving with my brother and his pregnant wife. Um, or do I stay in a crappy relationship? And uh, I chose the first option. I said, you know, my dad had said to me, you, you either choose to stay and choose to be happy because it was your choice to stay, or you choose to leave and choose to be happy because it was your choice to leave and you can always make more money. So I left and I restarted financially. I had a good job at the time. I was a, a health and safety person for oil field actually. Yeah. So completely different. Um, and I loved what I was doing at that time, but I had this hunger to understand how money works. I felt like no one taught me, you know, all of these things that I should know. So I felt like I was stupid and I shouldn't have made such dumb decisions. And I was really hard on myself that time and really ashamed of how I ended up there. So I thought, what better way to learn than to actually get into the industry? So I did. I started part-time and then I loved it so much that I left safety completely and I became a broker. And that was officially 11 years ago, last this last May that it just passed. And I, I just fell in love with teaching people how simple money could really be and how they could, if they just got on to the right track or they had the right coach or the right person that was sitting beside them, um, things could be very simple and they could understand it and feel empowered to make really good decisions. And then kind of fast forward through that process, I started to notice that there was something else that was going on. It wasn't just the A plus B equals C. You know, I say I want to save 50 bucks a month. And then, you know, in, you know, a year or two years, I'm going to have X number of dollars. And what I mean by that, Chris, is I would go and save families $1,000 a month or more just by rearranging some debt, doing some stuff like that. Just key things that no one had ever taught them before right. that would help right. them get ahead. And then I would build them this beautiful plan of how to get out of debt in a year or two and how to have all of this money saved and be in a completely different position in a couple of years from now. And then I would go back to do a review after everything was set up, you know, a year or two later, and they'd be in a worse position financially. And I couldn't figure it out. What I mean, I set up all the right accounts. They were putting money in. Like, what 
happened? How did we get so off course? And I started to notice this in my own life as well. You know, my bank account would go to the same amount. My debt, even though I'd pay it off, would go right back to the same amount. And I thought there has to be something to this. And that's when I started to lean into the mindset piece of things and the energy piece of things. So I started studying the mindset by, behind, you know, money, how we view money, how we interact money and with money and, and how that really impacts the way that we see the world. And I could also see that it was also our energy that was really creating our reality in front of us. And I started to dive into law of attraction and Abraham Hicks and all of these fun things. But I found that there was a lot of vague solutions, like just be positive. Mm. And I am an A-type personality. I want steps, like give me the steps. And I couldn't find any that really resonated with me. So I went within and I started asking these questions. I believe that we have all the divine answers. And I, I started to channel, uh, I call them abundance codes. It would be questions that would come through. And I, I literally just did this to change my financial pictures, change the way that I interacted with money and attract more money. I wanted to do that. So questions would drop in and philosophies would drop in. And then I started telling my friends about it and family about all of these cool things that I was discovering within myself. And they thought that I should teach it. And that's when the fluid money blueprint was born. And I started coaching people on it. Well, damn, that was a lot to take in right there. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> but uh, that was part of the reason why I wanted you to come on and talk to me a little bit about, about it. Just, you said it best right there was that just because while you were talking, I was thinking about, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of finance guidance in my life either. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm fortunate I have a couple of people in my life who've helped me along the way and kind of gave me, you know, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And then it, you know, and it's not been bad for me. It's people watching out for me, which is good. But yeah. without them, I would ha absolutely have no clue. You know, I mean, in college, you know, I was a PE major, so I never took any finance classes besides general business stuff and yeah. whatever. But then, you know, with like my friends now, you know, after like tonight, you know, when we're sitting around talking at the gym or getting dinner afterwards, we start talking about grown up things like, how we, how's your retirement looking? You know, what are you doing? Like, how are you, are you putting money away? I mean, what's your plan? And I'm just like, I don't know, man, I got a 401k, I guess I'm throwing stuff in that. And, right. But, yeah. like, but I feel so ignorant when I try to talk about it. You know, and I, because I've never had this type of guidance and this is why I'm glad you're here now. So maybe you can, and I'm, I'm kind of like you, I love steps and I love like to say, Hey, do step one, you go to step two. And it makes perfect sense to me that way, rather than just go fall by the seam of your pants and hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the big misconceptions around finances is it has to be really difficult to understand. And it's very complex and don't get me wrong. There is a lot of complexities in it, but you can break it down so that it is simple and that you can understand because once you understand and you feel empowered to act, that's when things change for you. You sitting down with a financial advisor and them saying, sign here, press hard three copies doesn't help you. You know, like you might be saving some money. Okay, great. But if you have no idea what your goal is or where, where this money is going to take you or what that picture will look like, you're probably going to end up falling short, just like, you know, you go to the gym, if you have no plan, you just, you know, hang out by the machine, nothing's going to happen. I have my phone for 20 minutes. Not yeah. like, this is oh, working out, right? Yeah. Nobody else does it. <laughs> but no, so, all right, so let's start there. So you just told me how you got to your blueprint. So what is the blueprint? The blueprint. Okay. So Perfect. it's to help entrepreneurs consistently attract more money. So I told you, I realized that there was this energy behind money and our mindset that we're creating our reality. Okay. So first you have to understand that our brain and our body is designed 
to do certain things. Our brain is designed to create meaning around everything. And our brain is also designed to find things that are important to you. They call it the reticular activator. So when you buy a brand new car, Hey, I you know, yeah, you buy a brand new car. You're like, Oh my God, that's a hot car. It's amazing. Whatever. Right. I've never seen anything like it. Or, you know, I never see that around. Then you buy, you drive it off the lot. And that's everything that you see. It's everywhere. Because your brain has now interpreted its importance to you. So it goes looking. Now, how do we relate this to money? If you have a belief system that it's hard to make money or that you never have enough, guess what your brain is constantly searching for? Money. Yeah. Well, it's constantly searching for how it's hard to make money, (laughs) reasons why that's true, and how you never have enough. Because that is the reality that you told it to look for. So we have to shift that reality. When it comes to our energy, we are are just, we are built to feel into people. And most people don't use this as a skill. Typically women are better than men um, only because of nurturing for, you know, millions of years that, you know, we've been around the generation. I would agree. Now, but it doesn't mean that men can't do it everybody has this ability. And the way that I really learned about it was through horses, oddly enough. Um, Everybody says horses can smell fear. And, you know, if you're scared, they're going to freak out or whatever. I grew up with horses, love horses. I actually used to race horses back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. I used to race chariots and chuck wagons. It was just what what I did when I was younger, right? Did that for a decade. I'm writing that down. Um, But I always had this knack with horses. They were always, you know, better around me. My dad, if we needed to do something finicky with the horse that wasn't that nice or, you know, whatever, he would get me because I had more patience than he did. And um, when I went on this, you know, spiritual journey, I started to actually read a book about horses. And what they were talking about in this book is that it's not that horses can smell fear. It is that they have huge guts and inside of this gut, their stomach are receptor sites for energy. So what they're doing is they're processing what energy you're putting out when you walk up to them. And what they don't like is you not being authentic or genuine with how you're feeling. So most people would try and hide their fear or, you know, maybe they're angry that day or upset or whatever. And they try and put a mask on or a face on that they're happy go lucky. But what happens inside of a horse is, you know, those, those energy receptors are receiving information that what they're seeing and what they're feeling does not match. And then that makes them, you know, angry or whatever they rear up and they get afraid because the two pictures don't match. Well, our bodies are designed just the same. We just have smaller guts because we're smaller than horses. Um, But we feel the same thing. And when I, when I tell my students about this, I give this example and I don't mean not every car salesperson is bad. This was just my experience and a lot of people can relate. If you've ever been to a dealership before and you went in, um, the, the one experience that I had, I went into the dealership and, and this guy approached me and he was like seething. And he didn't say anything, but I could feel him wanting to make a sale that day. He just wanted to get me. He wanted to close me. It didn't matter what I wanted. All he wanted to do was sell me. And I could feel that from him, that desperation, that need to get me to sign on the dotted line. I don't know what was going on in his life, but I felt it all. And guess what I did? I left. I don't want to work with somebody like that. I don't want to be around someone like that. And until you're in tune with what that is that you're feeling or you're interpreting through the energy, it's just a feeling of, I don't want to be next to them. I don't want to be around this person. I'm uncomfortable. 
And then the opposite is true. You've met somebody in your life or walked into a room and felt like, wow, I just want to be around these people. They make me feel amazing. I just like being in their presence. It's because of their energy. Sure. And how does this relate to money? Just like that car salesman. He wasn't making any sales that day because that desperation, that need, that was driving every action that he had that day. And that was his energy that he was putting out there, which was actually pushing people away from him. So whether we're saying anything or not, we are either attracting or we're pushing away the things that we truly desire just based on how we're feeling inside. You know, I, I can relate to a lot to that just because... You know, I you feel you feel it sometimes when you're around certain people, and even when doing these podcasts, you can even feel like mm -hmm. an energy or a vibe or a cohesiveness, whatever you want to call it, and you just flow with it. But I'm just kind of relating that to my own um, experience. So, you know, when I'm coaching at the gym or whatever, you know, we have new members come in or whatever, and so you just want to say, I usually tell them, hey, you know, even if I'm not coaching or we got someone else coaching, you know, don't make a decision the first day if you want to join or not, you know, then go around and ask other coaches or ask other members about how the gym is and go visit another gym. See how the energy is there. See what the vibe is, see how you're wow. feeling and then make a decision. And then, you know, cause you know, like you said, the coach could be having a bad day or a coach could be having a bad day. This would not be right. Or it could be a perfect spot for you. You could just feel it. Yep. So yeah, there is something to it. Even though some people will probably lack for a better word, shit on it and say it's not real or whatever, but you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's intuition or what, but I felt it before. I mean, even with my colleagues on a work setting, like I said, podcasts, you just, you just yeah. know, you just know. Yeah. It's a part of your physiology, physiology. Like you are built to feel into other people and it, it's, it's a primitive skill because we've been taught or when we were, you know, way back in caveman days, we needed those skills to, you know, if a cougar was hunting us instead of the other way around for men or, or, you know, even ladies, when they were picking the berries and doing the berry collection, mm -hmm. they needed this heightened sense of awareness of energy of other people being in the area and maybe not not people, but animals. Right. So it's built into our primitive nature to feel into other people. And it's, it's really a skill that you can develop and you can learn to read people's energy as they sit in front of you and learn a lot about them without them ever saying anything. Yeah. I mean, is, yeah. is, there, is there practices that you advise your clients or you do yourself? Absolutely. To, so yeah. I totally skipped your question of what is the fluid money blueprint? What is the <laughs> yeah, blueprint? I, got off on it. I, I haven't even gotten there yeah. yet. Okay. okay. So the way that I teach it to my students is we want to have this deeper sense of understanding of the way that we see the world and a deeper sense of understanding and awareness of how we interact with money and how we see money and how we're creating a lack mentality or scarcity or not enough in our life. Sure. So the first phase of the fluid money blueprint, the blueprint I created um, is unlock abundance box. So I walk my students through 18 different questions that I've channeled. And these questions are designed to get a response from you. So most people, what happens when they're working on their money mindset, when they're trying to shift how they see money, they stay on the surface. It's the obvious ones. Money is bad. Um, money is evil. Money doesn't grow on trees. And that's kind of where it ends with their mindset around money. But that is the tip of the iceberg or the way that I explain it is the tip of the dam. 
So imagine an actual wall that is a dam. It's got a bunch of bricks. On one side is all the water, which is abundance or money, all of that stuff. I always like to call it abundance because abundance is more money, more love, more joy, more of all of the things. And who doesn't want more of all of them? Abundance means a lot of things at once. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. It's all the things. So all the water represents the abundance on the other side of the dam. And you're standing there on, on the opposite side where it's dry. Now, when we work on our money mindset, what most teachers will teach is go to the top and start taking off bricks. And the top of the bricks are the very top is money is bad or you know the, the ones that I've just given you, it's hard to make money. But what happens is people get frustrated and flustered that nothing is changing because they've only taken off the top layer of bricks. But mm-hmm. the water is way down here. They're not actually dismantling the wall fast enough. So we got to draw deeper when it comes to money mindset and what is actually creating your reality with money. It's not usually has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with you. You know, when I have more money, then I will be a, a good spouse. I will be a good person. We connected so deeply to who we are and how we show up in the world when we have money or when we don't. If I have more money, it means I'm good. Or if I don't have money, it means I'm bad. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm all of these things. So we need to get to those root belief systems and we need to, to expose them. So I call it like uh, weakening the wall and starting to poke holes in the wall. So we're breaking the fabric of the wall itself. So that is the first phase of the fluid money blueprint is exposing all of that, that you didn't see coming. Hmm. The second phase is all about unlocking uh, money blocks. So this is where we're really going to work on repatterning your brain because our brain, again, is like a supercomputer. So it's designed to make things easy for you. We've all driven home at some point and have no idea how we got there. Sure. You, know, you just landed up in your driveway and we're like, oh, wow, I hope I stopped at that stop light or, you know, whatever, right? I call these automatic responses. We have these automatic responses with money that are either getting us towards where we want to go or taking us further away from where we want to go and recreating a reality that we don't actually like. So for me, an automatic response for me was when I would go to open up my bank account, it was immediate fear. And it's so funny because I would feel it bubble up in my chest. It would feel tight. And then I'd feel like somebody was choking me. Then I'd feel anxious, you know, my heart's beating. And I'm like, oh my God. And then because I was, uh, you know, a beast in business and I I knew how to hustle and I was a part of the hustle culture and I wanted to do all of that. I was really good at it. um, I would just go to work. And I would find myself hours later pounding on a keyboard or pounding on my cell phone, like, this and I was so angry and it was all driven by this fear funny thing is I never actually opened my bank account so it was all fear driven on a perception that I didn't have enough it wasn't actually true because I had no idea at that point because I hadn't even had the courage to open my bank account I went into this automatic response that makes sense we have Yeah, we have these automatic responses when it comes to us not having enough money or us wasting money. All of the interactions that we have with money, typically at this point in our lives, when you hit, you know, late 20s, early 30s, maybe 40s, 50s, whatever, they're automatic. The way that you have done it, the way you perceive it is, you know, programmed already. So we want to reprogram the brain. So in this phase, I actually give a five-step system on how to do that or a fi- five steps to how to do that. I call it cast. The first thing that we're going to do, and if you want me to explain it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm sure people will benefit from this. I am. 
Okay, perfect. So the first thing we do is celebrate. The reason why we do this, it sounds so counterproductive um, because we're celebrating that you notice you have a crappy pattern. <laughs> You're going to celebrate. The reason yeah. is we got to wake up the brain. Okay. When you go big, like you're like, you know, screaming at the top of your lungs, your brain's like, wait a minute, what's happening? What's happening? Right. Uh, What's there that I need to see, or I need to pay attention to. This sounds like it's really important. And that's why we need to celebrate. So we wake up the brain and say, Hey brain, I want you to pay attention when this feeling comes up, when this thought comes up, because instead of getting to the, all the way to the end of the pattern, wouldn't you want to know when the pattern begins? Supposedly. Right. So we celebrate. That's the first thing. The second thing, the A is acknowledge. Okay. And I always say it like this, baby Jody, what's wrong? Because if you start to, uh, to realize, um, that our, ourselves, the way that we behave until we have started to look at these belief systems is kind of like how a child behaves when they're having a tantrum. Mm-hmm. You know, we start to freak out, you're scared and you're like, ah, you can't reason or have logic with a toddler that is freaking out. Sure. You can't, right? You can't calm them down. I agree hundred percent. You, Right. So a lot of these teachers in law of attraction and nothing against them, it just didn't work for me um, because they would say, just shift, just shift to the positive. And I'd be like, looking over here, let's just think of all the positive things. Like I have a car and I have gas in my car. And I would try and force myself to, to feel something better than what I was feeling in that moment. But what happens when you do that is you end up just shoving the feelings down. (laughs) You're not dealing with them. Mm, We need to deal with them and acknowledge what's going on. If we really want to rewire the pattern and reprogram the brain so that you don't go through this pattern over and over and over for the rest of your life. So we acknowledge the baby you have inside you that is having a tantrum. What's wrong? Like, are you okay? Are you scared? Are you hungry? What do you need? All the above. (laughs) Right? So acknowledge all of it. That's the A. The S, it stands for system. Now we actually have to do some system work where we actually bring you back to neutral because most people these days are living in a state of fight flight freeze i would agree yeah we automatically go into that pattern of fight flight freeze which is a very primitive response and again when we're in these primitive response we can't we can't be logical it's all about saving yourself from the giant tiger that's chasing you but the thing is there is no tiger it was just you opening your bank account app you didn't even log in It was just opening the bank account app or using your credit card or getting into your car and seeing that you don't have, you know, a half a tank of gas or you only have a quarter of a tank or the empty light is on and all of a sudden you go into this pattern. So we need to bring the system back to neutral. Okay. And we do this through breathing. You got to breathe. If you're having a really intense response at the moment and you can't calm yourself down, you just put your head on something really hard right here. This is why they do it in yoga. Cause it calms your nervous system down, or you have the vagus nerve, which runs I believe it's here all the way down and connects to a bunch of things. If you put your hand right here above your collarbone and you just apply a little bit of pressure you'll feel your system completely calm. You can also put your hand on the back of your neck like this, just like you would cradle a baby. <laughs> now you're really a baby. <laughs> so you wait until your system comes back to neutral and you feel your heart rate has come down. You can breathe again. You don't feel so afraid anymore. Those things have subsided. And then we go to T, which is true. Okay. 
we have been ingrained into believing old perceptions that no longer serve us. Mm. One being you don't have enough money. And what people habitually do is they will, you know, let's say all of their bills are on the first of the month. They will, you know, get through that point. And then by the fourth or the fifth or the sixth, somewhere in there, they all of a sudden start to panic. I don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. Well, you have three weeks almost, you know, three and a half before the end of the month when you have all of your bills coming out, but you're freaking out on the fifth of the month because you don't have enough. So what you're doing is you're actually setting yourself up for failure throughout those three weeks. You're cutting yourself off from any possibility of money coming in. You're going through this primitive response again of this fight or flight, and you're constantly in this anxious place. And again, your energy is talking to other people before you ever say a word. So what is it saying? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid all of the time. And your brain is looking for what's important to you. So it goes out looking for ways that you're really not going to have enough money. And then you recreate a reality that you don't want. So you have to challenge that reality. Is it true? Is it an absolute truth? And what an absolute truth is, Chris, is that you could look across the board. Every single person in the entire world falls under this truth. And there's very few of them in, in life. You know, you can find an example of someone who has done it differently than you are right now and been successful or made money doing something you didn't think that, you know, you could. Um, there is always these people who have broken the rules, the, the six minute mile, you know, they said it was absolutely impossible, physically, humanly impossible to do. And then Roger Bannister did it. Oh. And then all of a sudden person after person after person after person did it because it was a false belief or a false perception that was keeping everybody stuck except for him because he chose not to believe it. Mm -hmm. So really challenging the way that you're seeing your life coming back to even if you only have, let's say $500 in your bank account, if you come back to this moment right now, do you have enough right here where you sit? Well, yeah, I probably have more than enough because what do you need right now? I've got water, I've got food, you know, I've got a nice chair, I've got this camera, I've got everything that I need and more right in this moment. Mm. I don't need to worry about three weeks from now. There's possibilities of money coming in over that next three weeks. And I will let that unfold, but challenging what you believe to be true. So that's, that's phase two. So there's a lot in there. And yep. then <laughs> I can keep going. There's... Oh, well, hold on, hold on. I'll give okay. you a break for a minute here. Um, okay. So do you think that, you know, a lot of what you were saying, I felt like a lot of it was like culture narratives for me is that some mm -hmm. of it is that, you know, it's almost kind of funny in some situations that, you know, to be broke and act like, oh, I don't know where my money's going to come, come from and I'll just play it off and figure it out later. And it's kind of like a defense me mechanism, but people just kind of say it to also be funny also at the same time. And, but also where I was going with that is that, you know, I've had people, you know, in my life and I guess I still do that, you know, they're always saying like, oh, you need to make more money. You need to do this, or you're never going to be basically successful in life. And which I guess there is a sense of that, but it's almost that, you know, if I, like I said, you know, these uh, status symbols or culture narratives, it's like, oh, well, you know, if I don't make X amount of money, then I'll never be able to buy a Rolex and show everyone how successful I am. And, and that's yeah. where like some of this pain and stuff comes from. Cause while you were talking, you know, even in college, I remember 
you know, we were just, you know, working from our rent money and stuff and just being so nervous, like just exactly what you just said, like, shit. All right. After I spend pay rent, then what am I going to do for food? All right. Now I got to also pay, you know, my roommate for that part of the food or something. And it was like, and it was so much anxiety ridden right there. Mm-hmm. It just caused these, you know, unnatural or not needed. I mean, everything was always all right in the end. Right. But it was yeah. always like for those first couple of days, like you said, it was just me just, you know, keeping it dead inside, like just. Pushing it yeah. down. Oh, cool, man. There's, yeah, what's going on? Get yeah. a burger. Like growing an ulcer. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, yeah. you know, like, exactly. I do remember like checking my account and stuff and be like, oh, God, I hope I didn't overdraw last night and stuff. But yeah, and then, but like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, it all works out. A hundred percent. And what, when um, my students will say to me, like, I need this because it means that I am successful. Like, when I have this, it, it will mean I'm successful. I always ask the question, who says? you know, what is success anyway? Because if, if it's just money, when I have more money, I will be happy. We're going back to the absolute truth. Is that absolutely true? Meaning is every single person who is rich on this planet or has a lot of money, are they all happy? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Are all the people on the opposite side who are poor, are they all unhappy? No. I mean, you can think of on, on the rich side of things. Look at Robin Williams. Well, Robin Williams, he was very wealthy. He had everything that you would think that a man could want. And he was very depressed. Sure. He was very unhappy with his life, even though he had all of this money. So it's not an absolute truth that you have money and then you're automatically happy. And on the other side of things, we could look at someone like Mother Teresa. She had no money. She raised a lot of money for different churches and everything, but she had no money herself. And yet she was so incredibly happy. So we start to play this game and ask the question, is it an absolute truth that I have to have this to feel this or to be this? And, And really questioning, what does success mean to you? You know, are you living your life based on a principle that someone else has set for you or that you have set from somewhere within you? I want this because I'm going to be proud as heck when I do this, or I want this because, you know, I really love the look of a Rolex. It's like my favorite thing in the world. You know, you might be getting a $50,000 Rolex and you don't even actually like the timepiece. That's a shame. (laughs) You know, who are you doing it for? Yeah, exactly. And just based on what you just said there, I do remember it was just always that because it was always other people telling me my life, what I needed, how I should be living and what I should be doing with my money, which in part they were trying to help and give advice and stuff. But, you know, it wasn't until, but it was still, it was just, you know, like you said, it was just like, who am I doing this for you or me? I mean, what are we doing here? But, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I think I've ever heard that helped me tremendously as far as like helping my brain with money and, um, and it came from, a, I think he's an actor. I heard it on a podcast a while back, but it was years ago. But anyway, he said that, you know, the only thing you really need in life as far as money goes is when you walk into a restaurant, you don't have to worry about how much the bill is going to be. Mm-hmm. Everything else in life is just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with me so much. And it was just like, you know, he's kind of, that was so right for, for me because, you know, when I go out, that's some of my, the best memories I've had as far as, you know, sharing, breaking bread with people, laughs, having fun, good conversation. And then it's like, yeah. you know, I don't care what I'm ordering. Yeah, order whatever you want. And and you feel good about it. You know, you don't have to, yeah. I'll, I'll just get the Caesar salad, I guess. But yeah, you can get <laughs> The small. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to order water. Either. Yeah, yeah. Breadsticks, please. Yeah. So, yeah. But ever since then, I was like, you know what? I think you're right. You know, all these things I was taught in life, you know, as far as 
success, like you were saying, it's like, I don't need, I don't even wear a watch. I mean, I'm like, why do I need a Rolex to tell everyone I'm successful? And then, I mean, and that's, I don't, I hate people who are very arrogant and very, I think it's the right word, very in your face about stuff. Like, oh, look what I have. I like to brag, you know, like, oh, I mm-hmm. have, you know, six Lamborghinis and stuff and try to tell me how cool they are. And I'm just like, that's great, bro. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why you're telling me. I mean, I'm, but anyway, but yeah. That, yeah. I, are you going to let me have one? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't understand. Like, why do you, why do you feel so compelled? You have to tell me all this stuff, but I mean, I'm yeah. happy for you and I'm glad you, you got success, but success is not the same for everybody as yeah. I think the cultural thinks they are. I think that's what I'm mm-hmm. trying to Absolutely. And I enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. A lot of um, a lot of us, a lot of humans don't even ask the question. They just get dropped into this bucket of what success should be or what it should look like, and then they try and kill themselves to achieve it. And um, I remember my dad saying that when I was young. You know, a lot of people will climb the corporate ladder just to get to the top to realize it was the wrong building. <laughs> Okay. You know, the wrong place. That makes sense. Um, but we do that with so many things in our lives. I, you know, I tried to do it with this house. Uh, you know, somebody had said at some point in my life, you need to have a house and you, you know, you need to get married and you need to have kids and you need to have all of these things. And that relationship that I was stuck in or that I was in in my early 20s, I was ready to get married and have kids with this man who was, you know, emotionally abusive and, you know, like probably would have turned out physically abusive eventually. But I thought that's how a marriage was. I didn't question it or a relationship was. I I did. I thought I thought you just treated each other like crap. And and I was very, very, very like meek, mild, like in the corner. Don't look at me. Uh, You know, I had been, you know, abused, I guess, for so long and manipulated that I just lost all courage. I lost all self-esteem. I just I was a shell of a human at that point. And I was still willing to marry this person because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. You know? I get it. I get it. Cause you know, I've seen stuff like that. No, I mean, you know, I'm only a single dad of two wiener dogs, but yeah. you know, I, I don't have any kids, but I, I've seen other relationships and I've seen other, and we're, I know this is not a relationship podcast or discussion. Yeah. Um, but even if you want to put this analogy towards anything else, but you just keep going down the line and you don't ask questions, you, you're living off momentum. You just keep doing it because you think this is what you're supposed to do. And it was like, and I don't know, like, again, I don't know if that's what society's teaching us or yeah. movies, the media, but that, you know, or our, our ancestors is like, no, you go to school, you get married, you get a job and from then on do whatever you want to. Yeah. And it's just, no, it's not, I mean, that may have worked for you, but it doesn't mean it has to be done that way. You know, and yeah. I've had friends who, uh, 
you know, I forgot how the situation goes, but they were telling me about their parents and how they were kind of, you know, not a, you know, physically abusive, but emotionally abusive. And they would see themselves mm-hmm. doing that to other people. And, you know, I remember one day we were, I was working with them. This is, I had a part-time job in college and I was like, why, why are you this way? Why are you being like this towards, you know, these customers? And he was like, well, that's how my parents were. And I was like, well, that doesn't mean you have to do it, bro. Yeah. And then, they, and I remember him going like, huh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? And it was like, yeah. and I was like, I, don't, I mean, I don't even know how I said that. That was one of my, I guess, best defining moments in life, if you want to say that. But I just remember. Definitely. And, and even since then, I was like, yeah, just because other people were doing it, you don't have to jump on the train and do it like that. I mean, you yeah. know, my, my life has been not to the norm, I guess. You know, I didn't, I mean, I went to school and everything, but I didn't come out and get married and have mm-hmm. kids yet and all that good stuff. I just kind of was just doing what, uh, well, it took me a while, but I finally started to do what Chris wanted to do. Yeah. But a lot of people don't ask themselves that they're just waiting for one day when they'll wake up happy. When I have this, then I will be happy. And it's always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And that actually leads right into phase three of the fluid money blueprint, which is abundance on autopilot. So this is a perfect segue. Love it. Phase three is all about how you live your life, knowing that you're either attracting or, you know, deterring the things that you want in your life simply by your energy, um, but also paying attention to what is it that you feel in a day. For me, I'm a happy person. Like I've always been happy go lucky. Like wake me up at three in the morning and I'll be smiling. Like you just that's just the way that I'm designed. I am a happy person. So if you would have said to me, you know, Jody, what do you think your average emotion in a day is? I would have said happy. Just That's it. Period. Happy. And then I did this exercise and I actually lead my students through this in phase three. Okay. It's an exercise of uh, going through your day. So I actually went through an average day from start to finish. You know, I wake up, I go to the bathroom, I make coffee, I read my, you know, 10 pages in the morning or, you know, whatever, right? Then I do this, like all of the minutia of a day. And then I went back to each one of those steps and I started to write down how I felt. You know, when I wake up in the morning, how do I feel? When I'm doing, getting ready for work in the morning, how do I feel? When I'm driving, how do I feel? And it sounds kind of crazy, but when I looked back at that piece of paper, the majority that I felt in a day was not happy. It was anxiety and overwhelm. Mm. And we're consistently attracting whatever it is that we are in this moment, like attracts like. So I was getting more things to be frustrated, anxious, and overwhelmed with all the time because that's where I was sitting. And I had no awareness of it whatsoever. So knowing that, then I could start asking myself, why? do I feel anxious? And a lot of it was pre-programmed beliefs. I would actually wake up with anxiety. I would wake Uh, up and feel like I should have done something already. I should be at the office. I should have already made phone calls. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. And I ended up shooting all over myself and I would feel bad. I would feel worthless and unworthy of any success, like within a minute of waking up because I didn't wake up earlier. But it was this belief system that was ruling my life of I should have done something. And then I started to ask, well, what? What is it that I should have done? Well, I don't know, more. Well, what is more? More of what? Yeah. More of what? Well, more calls. Why? I I don't know. (laughs) It was this false belief system running that I had to be go, go, go all the time if I wanted to be successful. So I had to repattern that because... I realize that when I'm trying to force something and it's this way for most people, when you're trying to force something to happen and you're just like, you know, gritting your teeth and just like bearing down and trying to move something, 
it takes you longer, you're exhausted, and you're going to be frustrated because everything's going to break. Because again, like attracts like versus when I was in that flow state where I was on and I wanted, wanted to work, I was excited, I was inspired, whatever it was, when I was in that state, I could get two weeks worth of work done in one hour. Sure. I was just on. Yeah. So I started to work with that principle of when I'm in this state of being inspired and enjoying then, and I'm rested, then I get way more done than when I try and force it. So I stopped trying to force myself to do things I didn't want to do. And the things that you have to do in life, <laughs> the things that you have to do, you know, most people think they have to do this or have to do that. I have a really good relationship example of that. If you want that in a second here, but there's a lot of things it. that, yeah, hit me. yeah we, we figure we have to do all of these things to be the perfect wife or girlfriend yep. or husband or, you know, whatever. Right. And I remember, this is the story. I remember last summer feeling overwhelmed all of a sudden, like I have so much on the go. I have two businesses. I have a brokerage. I have my coaching company. My husband and I have a market garden business, which means that we grow vegetables and then harvest them and whatever. And, and I am the worker bee. Like I do all of the, not all, but I do a bunch of the like weeding and harvesting and all of that stuff. And we live on a 120 acre farm. Rest. So there's a lot going on there. And then, you know, there's your home and, you know, doing the dishes and all of this stuff. So I noticed that I was feeling overwhelmed and irritated with my husband. <laughs> and I was so frustrated. And, and I, you know, anytime that, you know, we have like a little tiff or whatever, I, instead of blaming it on him, I look within I go, okay, like, what is it about me? Like, what, what is it? Is there some sort of meaning that I'm missing here or something that I'm attaching to this conversation? Like what pissed me off? Like, what was it? Why am I so irritated right now? And I reflect on those things. And so I was, it was irritated. So I was reflecting on it. And I, what came up in that reflection was that I feel overwhelmed because I feel unsupported. Okay. Why do you feel unsupported? Because I have all of these things I have to do. Like what? What do you have to do? Uh, I have to do the dishes and I have to make sure the house is clean and I have to do this and I have to do that. And it was this huge list of things that I had to, had to do. And I'm like, okay, I have to do these things, but who says, mm -hmm. and that question really stumped me. The only answer that I came up with was I, like, I don't know, my husband, <laughs> like he's my boss or something. I don't know. I, my husband. Oh, okay. Like why? And what if you don't, what if you don't do those things? Like, what is the scary thing that's going to happen? Oh, he's not going to love me. I'm not going to be a good spouse, blah, 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 all of these things. And then I asked again, is it absolutely true? Who says that, you know, you have to do these things to be a good spouse. And if the roles were reversed and he was busy and doing all of this stuff, but he didn't do the dishes, would I be thinking he's an awful husband? No. Would I give him some space and some slack and some grace? Of course I would. And then it came to me that I, that he has all of these expectations for me. And then I asked again, who says, have I ever asked him what he expects of me as a wife? No, Probably not. no, that, no, that conversation never happened. So, because I'm committed 
to exploring these conversations within myself and be, having the courage to do so and with my spouse and the world that I live in, whoever it may be. Um, like, you know, anybody that I'm having conversations with, I tried to be courageous. So I said to him, I, I really need to talk to you. And he's like, oh God, what's going on? And I just asked him that, you know, what is it you expect from me as your spouse? And he's like, nothing. Wow. I want you to be happy. Love it. So good. But I had put all of this pressure, which equated to frustration and overwhelm um, from an expectation that I had set in my own mind. No one ever said it for me. I did. I think that leads to a lot of people who try to follow the footsteps of certain successful people. For example, I mean, if somebody wanted to be, I don't know, Elon Musk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they follow everything he does, you know, read his, I don't know, I guess he's got books. Let's say he does got books. They try to be smart as him, try to build cars or whatever, but then they don't. And because, well, this Elon did it now. And I was unsuccessful because I did it the same way he did it, but how come it didn't work out for me? And then it leads down to this more anxiety ridden, Mm -hmm. negative behavioral spirals. We were kind of talking about that. It was like, no, you you can't just follow, you know, somebody's footsteps just because, you know, you think that's the right thing that you have your own life path and you're going to have your own life experiences. Yeah. That worked out for Elon or whoever you want to, your hero is, but it's not going to work out for you. And it's one of these things that, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, kind of what you said, like you, you're very self-aware and I'm loving it. And I guess that's kind of where I was, I was leading to that, you know, I know you were in that one marriage or whatever, but even before that marriage, and even as a young child, were you always just self-aware about, you know, just sitting there like, oh, this is probably not right. Or what, why am I doing it the, this way when I could be doing it another way? Uh, I I think that I was taught at a young age how to be self-aware. When I was like eight or nine years old, my dad and I would go into the bush and have a fire. Nice. <laughs> and we would just talk and he would be like, how do you feel? And I would, I had to explore how I was feeling in that moment, what was going on in my life and everything like that. My dad was really into personal development when I was growing up. So he was teaching me about all these different philosophies. Like, you know, when I was 12, I knew about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but I didn't know it was Maslow. I thought it was my dad that created it. It was only at like 25 when I took a course that I was like, Hey, my dad made that. Nope. Uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up in a house where my dad would ask me these questions and that we would reflect or ponder on, on life together. So I got really good at it. And one of my gifts is seeing things from a bird's eye view. Mm. Yeah, see, that's one of the things that, you know, and I'm not shitting on my parents by any means. I was, you know, had a, I had a good childhood, but you know, growing up, it was one, if I ever said, I don't, I don't really remember asking, you know, my parents asked me how I was feeling or why did I feel this way about whatever. But, and even if it was something that was come up, it was like, no, you know, this is not, that's not the way you should feel, or you should do it this way. And I was like, wait, mm. well, wait, well, I'm thinking something different. And it wasn't until it was probably maybe after college, you know, when I was finally just kind of like, well, you know, again, why am I caring what they say? And I, I don't really have to have the same beliefs and morals. And I'm not saying I'm a shitbird or anything, but no, yeah. no. But I mean, um, but I was but like, you get to choose. Yeah. I was like, I get to choose. Get and I can actually discover like what works for me. And like, Hey, just because mm-hmm. they did it this way, I want to do it this way and still go. And, yeah. I, and they were a safety net. I could go back onto them and, and take a chance on something. But it was, yeah, it was one of those things that I was never really taught. No one asked me if you were self-aware, like I, I, did I really know how aware I was with my, myself or was I, again, was I just going off the momentum and the juice and just seeing, or just yeah. living life in the present, not thinking mm-hmm. about where I was well, 
one of my beliefs is that there's always another way to see things or another perspective. So I'm always looking at that because I think we get so tunnel vision into the way that we think it is. Yeah. So I always try and back up and get that 10,000 foot view of what is the other perspective here for the other person that's involved in this, or, you know, maybe just a different perspective altogether. One that feels better because I think the whole point of life is to enjoy it, to enjoy this moment, to enjoy every moment. And if you're stuck in a perspective of, you know, like there's a lot of things in my life that I could say, well, this was crappy. And, you know, if this never happened, my life would be better. But I've chosen to look at it through a different lens, a perspective that serves me. You know, the the bankruptcy and the foreclosure of that first home or whatever, most people would look at that as a very bad thing. I look at it as, my saving grace. If I wouldn't have gone through that, then I wouldn't have had the compassion I needed to deal with other people who were in that scenario themselves. I wouldn't have had, you know, the, the fire inside to even learn about money. If that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have met my husband because I would have been stuck in that crappy relationship. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and it's always working out for the better. So I'm always looking for that perspective in my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't look at it like the way and just like the words you say, and like what you tell yourself, you know, sometimes I complain about going to the gym and like, if I have a competition going, it's like, ah, this, you know, I had a yep. shit day at work. I don't want to go do it. But, but then I'm like, well, Hey man, I, you get to go to work. You get to go work out. You get to go hang out with your friends. Not this yeah. I have to, right? Yes. Like no, now apply that Chris to money. How many people say, I can't afford that. I can't do that. They can't, I can't go out for dinner. I can't do that. If you have the money sitting in your bank account right now today, or in an investment account or whatever, you have access to $45 for a steak dinner or whatever it costs, wherever you live. If you have access to that money right now, It's not that you can't, it's that you're choosing not to, Mm -hmm. which is coming from a place of empowerment. I'm choosing to do this instead. I'm choosing to save the money instead. I'm choosing to, you know, direct my money to this place over here, whether it's debt or savings or whatever it is, that is an empowering stance versus I can't, I can't, I can't. Exactly. Yeah. And and just like you said, those little small things, you know, can change your whole perspective on not only just money, but your whole outlook on life. And you get a lot more enjoyment out of it instead of just being the negative person in life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, who wants to hang around that? I've been around those people and they're toxic and it's just like, you know, and they want to bring you down to their level. And it's like, man, like, why are you this energy? I have somebody who's pretty close to me who's that way. And and, you know, I don't, I don't want to say their names or anything, but it's just like I get around them and I'm like instantly my energy starts to be pulled down. And I just mm-hmm. have to get up and walk away or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what? And it's just one of those things. It's Things are not this bad. Why are you making them out to be so bad? Yep. And, and, I, mm-hmm. and I've tried to, you know, tell that person that. It's like, hey, turn this shit around and like look at it in a different light, a new perspective. Yep. And things can be completely different. And you'll see that, hey, you're not. Is, or things are not as negative as you're making it out to be. Mm-hmm. But I just Absolutely. wonder if they just get stuck in that negative comfort zone and, you know, they just don't know how to get out. And yeah. you know, I felt like that was me for a while and I finally figured out a way out. And then, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like changing your mindset, changing these little things you do in your life. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off right there. But no, no, yeah. well, yeah, I think but, it's yeah. comfortable. It's comfortable to be there because they've been there for so long and that, you know, it's, uh, you don't know what's on the other side of it. So, I believe that we go through these phases in life that we are constantly evolving, whether we try to or not. And the best example of this is like crotchety old people, you know, the ones that are really, really, really miserable. 
it's it's not that they woke up that day and they're really really miserable it's that they have evolved into this really crabby person it's been a lifetime evolution so whether you're trying to evolve to be the best version of you that you can be or to be happy in life and to enjoy every moment and get the most out of life or you know you don't care and you're just negative all the time either way you're evolving I agree 100%. Yeah. Even though a lot of people won't, I don't know. I just, I still don't get why people just can't, you know, get, you know, what am I trying to say here? You know, with people like yourself and all the research out there, or not research, but all the books, podcasts, yeah, I guess research. I don't know. You can research anything you want as long as you're willing to. You might have to go through a rocky road, kind of what you did, but you can come out great on the other side if you don't mind, you know, doing your homework and learning new things and trying not to get stuck in that comfort zone. Yeah. yeah and if you don't, you know, and like, I'm not saying, I'm probably making it sound easier said than done, but you could easily, when you, you know, you went through bankruptcy in that first marriage, you could have easily just said, well, this is my life. All right. Yep. Yeah, but I'm going to be a bum for the rest exactly. of my life. Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever. I, I, I guess I'll try out if you believe in, re, try again and re, if you believe in reincarnation or whatever. Yeah. So you're on a 120 yeah. acre farm. You got festivals. You're talking about money. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I love stories like that. You go through these rough times and you come out on the other side you know, wearing medals at the top of your game and stuff. Yeah. Love well, it. and you know what? I, I do believe in reincarnation. Um, and I, I believe that we know what we're signing up for, that we actually sign up for this lifetime and all the things in it. So when things are really hard, and I mean, things haven't always been rosy. I go through hard times. I'm not always insightful or, you know what I'm human. So I have good days and I have bad days. You can just ask my husband. They're not <laughs> all perfect, right? Cause we're human. We're just learning. And, and you know, that depth of that understanding of ourselves comes with time. But when things have been bad in my life, I remind myself that at some point, as a soul, maybe I sat in a green room and I watched the, you know, the highlight reel of what was to be or what was to come in this lifetime. And I said, yes. And I wouldn't have chosen poorly. <laughs> I would have chosen well. I'm smart. I'm an old soul. You know, I've gotten all of those things. I've had them in multiple lifetimes. I, I know that, that I'm an old soul. So I wouldn't have chosen poorly. So this has to get better. And that gives me hope and inspires me to keep going. Is that what you would tell people who are probably going through the same situation that you are through a financial crisis, if you want to say? Yeah. That? Is that what you, your message you would give to them? Yeah, you signed up for this. You wanted to be here and not from a place of disempowerment, but from a place of empowerment. You knew that whatever challenge was going to come your way and that you would you would overcome it. You would triumph, that your life would be better on the other side of things. And, and I think when you start thinking that way and you start looking for those things, you start to see the beauty in everything that's happened that's crappy. Um, I know that I have the hardest things that I've ever been through. I'm so grateful for them because there is the silver lining of how my life is now. And it's so beautiful. And even in those moments, it might've been difficult, but it wasn't the hardest thing that I've ever been through. I'm still alive. <laughs> when, when working with your clients, is this more the problems that you usually see when working with them about how people either just either hit rock bottom and don't know what to do basically, or they don't know how to change their mindset. They got themselves into a, a really terrible situation and they finally decided hey, I'm going to reach out to somebody and get some help. Yeah, no, it's, it's usually middle of the road. So people who know that they're cutting themselves off from abundance or money, they're, they have a mindset 
mindset problem. They are, you know, they're self-aware or they're beginning to be self-aware. They've started on this journey of learning. That's typically when they find me, when they're looking for the steps and the answers on how to attract more money now that they see that they are the problem. Um, but it's not often that somebody comes to me when they're in that space of, uh, I've lost it all. My life is, you know, screwed. It's all over because at that point, that's all that they can see. They can't see a way out. And I hope it's conversations like this that people will stumble upon and they will see, okay, maybe there is a hope at the end of, you know, the tunnel or light at the end of the tunnel and they will start to shift enough that they start wanting, you know, a different perspective shift and help from somebody outside of the, their current circle. And with that, do you, are you always having to keep up? You know, I don't really know anything about the finance industry, except just what I hear on the major headlines or what my, my uncles keep up a lot with and they help me out. But are you always yeah. having to research and try to stay on top? Like, you know, the financial crisis of 2009, then, you know, there's some predictions that, you know, the market might pop again or whatever. Is that kind of what you yeah. have to do throughout your day partly? Um, sort of. So I'm a financial advisor and a broker, and then I have the coaching company on the other side. So the, co the coaching company would have the fluid money blueprint, and I have a 12-week intensive course that people can take on that side. On the, the brokerage side of things, my job is to shop the market and find the best of the best when it comes to insurance, investments, all of that stuff. So I have to have a handle on what's out there and what's going on with the markets. Um, but typically we're using professional money managers who are actually setting the, you know, different stocks and bonds and, and buying all of that stuff. But funny enough, when the pandemic hit, because I love learning, my dad asked me, um, you know, how does currency work? And I went down quite the rabbit hole. Like I know more today about currency, monetary policy, fiscal policy, how things actually work out there, the corruption that is in the financial system, which I think that there is, um, how inflation works, how recessions work, all of that stuff is, is I've learned that over the last, you know, two and a half years at a, a whole new level. Um, but you don't need to know all of those things to have a successful portfolio or to be good with money. It can be quite simple. I think on the financial side of things, the best advice I can give somebody looking for a financial professional to work with is to find somebody that's willing to answer your questions and that you feel comfortable asking. Because sure we put ourselves into these boxes of I'm too dumb to know, or I should know this already. And I don't, so I'm embarrassed. And we don't ask any questions to understand what's happening, but you need somebody that you can ask those questions to, or how else are you going to learn? You I need agree. somebody that's going to be in your corner that says, this is how, this is how it works and explains it in a way that you can actually understand. And then when you have that, then you're able. Did you know it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. When you when you have that person, then you're able to to really flourish financially because you feel comfortable asking, you know, well, how does this work and how does that work? And it's not, you know, it's not like a, a parent figure just saying you should save your money and you feel bad every time you walk into their office. I I believe in both. You can save your money and you can have all, all the things that you want right now if you believe that you can. I was wondering. Did you say you earlier you were health and safety for oil or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was way back in the day. Say, so way back in the day, I mean, would you ever would have thought you would have been in this position now as far as 
Yeah. You never saw no, yourself. No, not at all. I was, I loved my career in safety because I was helping people. It taught me a lot about dealing with people. And, and uh, I felt like I was making a difference in, in that realm. Um, but it was kind of jaw dropping coming to the financial industry. And, and when I started to learn everything, I kept saying like, is it really this simple? Like, am I not, am I missing like a big part of what we teach our clients here or something? Because it's too simple. Like this is really simple. There is like four different account types and the taxes are different on each of them. And it's a little bit different in the States, um, but very similar. Like even from Canada to United States, there's a lot of similarities and there's stocks and there's bonds. And I relate everything to, um, you know, vehicles and gas, gas mileage so that people understand, yeah. you know, well, your 401k is going to suck the most gas when you try and take it out. Yeah, no, that's what people need. I mean, sometimes, you know, when people ask me about nutrition or something in the gym, you know, I yeah. say, well, think about it, you know, in your car, you're going to actually put inside that car what it actually needs. You're probably not going to put sugar in that car, right? No. But yeah. So, yeah, you make it as simple as possible to, yeah, so they understand. And I'm not saying car, saying people are dumb by any means, but people no. people learn that way better. And I, I'm one of those same people. If you explain it to me in a sense like that, oh, it makes perfect sense now. That's right. And it, it's not that you're not intelligent. It's that this isn't your realm of genius. Sure. You know, there's people that have studied all of these things that understand a depth of knowledge that I don't understand that. And, and that's okay. That's why they're here is to do that. You're here to teach people about nutrition and, you know, fitness and everything like that. I mean, a lot of people will use the cop out. I don't have time to learn all of this oh, stuff. Yeah. We'll find somebody that can teach you in a way that makes sense for you. And then you've got it. And once you have the knowledge, you know, the knowledge doesn't disappear. It's always available for you to use. You just lean back on it. Yeah. I hear that excuses like that all the time. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that's my side gig. And just that it's just like, Hey, you just don't really want to do it. I mean, if you really wanted to do something, you're going to do it. And yeah. That's my philosophy on everything is that a lot of part of success and everything is just keep showing up keep doing the work that you don't want to do. Yeah. And maybe in the future, if you're doing everything right, maybe a part of luck, you know, you're learning, you're changing your habits. You're looking at a, yep. more things into a positive perspective. Things will turn around. Yeah. Well, and I want to give you a shift for that too. Ooh. Keep doing the things that you don't like. Well, start reflecting on what you don't like about them. And is it really true? And is there a way that you can do it that will make you feel better? Now, you wouldn't take this example, I'm going to give you into health and fitness, because it's not really appropriate. But I tell a lot of my students who are going through my 12 week intensive, they're like, I hate budgeting, I hate looking at the numbers. Okay, well, what would make you feel better as you do it? Like, is it a glass of wine? Is it, you know, your favorite beverage? Is it a blanket? Like what would start to make this process feel good to you? How can you start to shift it at least from, I hate it to it's not so bad to, I love it. And you start doing that with these things in your life that you have to do. And you start creating a life that you love to show up for. Yeah. James Clear writes about that in his book, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've write, wrote it, but, or read no. it, but yeah. it's something along those lines that, you know, you create a habit and just say, Hey, that for one week, I'm going to budget, you know, myself for one week, you know, write down everything, only spend X, Y, and Z money, whatever. All right. So then yeah. the next week you do two weeks 
And then you just keep building off that. And finally, you build a budget for a month. Then you go for two months, then six months, and so on. But you build these small habits and get these small wins yep. in order to change that behavior. And all of a sudden, boom, magic happens. Now you don't mind budgeting. You change it to basically something that it's easy to do and you've learned yeah. it. Yeah. You love it. Yeah. Hopefully you love mm-hmm. it. But didn't I hear you talk about the law of attraction when we first started this podcast? Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I, I, uh, I believe it. Yeah. Well, I think that there's not enough tangible steps and that's a part of the fluid money blueprint is, is understanding the tangible steps of the law of attraction, which is like attracts like. So what you're putting out there, you're receiving back. Now that's what phase three is all about is redesigning your life so that there's, cause we always say this, you know, when I have more money, I will feel joy. I will feel excited. I will feel bliss. I'll feel all of these things. Well, you're creating a a dissonance between you and where you want to be because right now in this moment, you're not feeling any of that in your daily life. How often do you feel all of those things you anticipate to feel when you get there? Probably not all that much. So how can we redesign today so that you're showing up to your life and in more parts of your life, you're experiencing the same. So joy, bliss, excitement, whatever those things are, that is your main focus. So that like is attracting like, and you're basically now attracting things at a faster pace. I think we should take this home on that right there. Ended on a good note. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, If people want to find you, if you want to plug your stuff and all that and everything. How do they, yeah. how do they do that? Feel free to go. Amazing. Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's just Jody Lynn Craven. Um, you can go to my website. It's just Jody Lynn Um, I have a 12 week intensive course. That's called more that walks you through the entire fluid money blueprint to teach you how you can unlock those abundance blocks, those mindsets that keep you stuck, how you can retrain your brain. So it's actually taking you where you want to go instead of, you know, recreating a reality that you don't want and how you can recreate your life so that you're actually attracting more money on autopilot. And uh, I have a free training. Um, I'm, I'm sure I probably sent you the, the link if you could put that in the, the sure. description. There's a free training that goes through, you know, the three mistakes entrepreneurs typically make um, and how to shift those mindsets. And then it tells you all about the fluid money blueprint and how you can have access to that 12-week container. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we uh, call it a night? Oh, man. Hmm. Anything else I want to any, say? Any last words? Any last words? Mantras, whatever. Yeah. No. Um. Good. There is what I would want to say. What I want people to know is there's always more money. You know, we've seen this over the last two and a half years with them printing uh, into oblivion in all of our countries. It doesn't matter where you are, anywhere in the world, there's always more money. And there's billions of ways that money can come into your life. It's just simply your ability to open up to see all of those possibilities. And once you do, life gets easier and sweeter. So, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This was an awesome conversation. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. We're out of here. Bye.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 